0: It's a common human experience. It happens to all of us at one time or another. We're cruising down the highway of life, and out of nowhere, we hit a speed bump. We don't expect it. We don't see it coming, and boom, there it is. We, We think maybe when we see it, we can get around it. We think maybe we can leap over it. We think maybe there's some way to slow down in time that it won't be that big of an impact on us. But in reality, we hit the speed bump, and all of life comes unraveled. It's a hard time. It's a time that's dark, dismal, depressing. Why are all these words Ds? I don't know. There's something about D and depression, (laughs) despair. Yeah. we may not even see it before we hit it, in fact, but there it is, the speed bumps of life. The speed bump might be the loss of a job. It might be the death of a friend or family member that we, uh, that we desperately cared for. It might be the, uh, a natural disaster that destroys our home or our business. It could be all kinds of different things. It might be the declaration from a doctor of a deadly disease. Who knows what it might be? There are plenty of dead ends in life. In fact, I've been there. I've been there more than once. It's not a fun place to be, is it? Some of you may be there right now. And I think there's a word from the Lord for you this morning. Uh, When we find ourselves in those places, we ask the same kinds of questions, don't we? The kind of way we experience it may be different, and yet we find ourselves asking the same questions that other people have asked. Questions like, where is God anyway? Does He care that I'm here in this mess? And if He does, why doesn't He do something about it? I was working through the Gospel of John some years ago when I hit one of those speed bumps. I didn't see it coming. My boss called me into his office and said, you're done here. Okay, I was 2,500 miles from family, two young children living in a company-owned house called a parsonage. (laughs) Um, I not only lost my job, I lost all of my relationships because everything was focused on the church. I lost my home. I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. And through that time, I was working through the Gospel of John, and I came to John chapter 11. I want to share a little bit of that story of God with you this morning. John 11. If you have a Bible with you, you might open it uh, to chapter 11, verse 1 of John. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now I don't know about you, but when I read that story that day several years ago, and I came through that story and I thought, Lord, the one you love is sick. And that's kind of the way I was feeling. Lord, I know you care about me, and I'm I'm really having a hard time here. Why don't you come and do something about it? Now the interesting thing is that Mary and Martha never actually say what they want Jesus to do. In fact, they don't even use Lazarus' name. Do you see how manipulative they are? Lord, the one you love is sick just trying to put that screwdriver deep into him and say you are going to do something about this don't you because you love him and then i read a little bit further so jesus stayed where he was two more days i'm going what that's not what my understanding of god is that's not my understanding of what prayer is like That when I'm in a difficult position, I can go to God and I can cry out to Him. I can lay everything down at His feet and He's going to come and rescue me. So I'm trying to think now, what was it like for Mary and Martha during those days when Jesus didn't come? When Jesus didn't do what they thought He would do? Do you know what it's like when you're in that place and God doesn't respond the way you expect Him to? I think there are probably several strategies they might have used in trying to cope when Jesus didn't answer. One of those, I think they had a pity party. And by the way, if you're going to have a pity party, you might as well do it with other people. It looks like the M&M sisters did that. I mean, when Jesus finally does arrive, if you go further into the story, what we find is that Martha says something to Jesus And then later on, Mary comes, and she says exactly the same thing, almost exactly the same wording. I think they'd been sharing together and just having a little good old pity party. Poor me. Jesus doesn't care about me. Jesus doesn't really love me. Jesus can't do anything to help me. Oh, poor me. I think they had a pity party. So if you're in a bad situation, just try the coping strategy of a pity party. Yeah, I mean, it's the Elijah syndrome, isn't it? Poor me, I'm all alone, I'm the only one. And Elijah found out differently, didn't he? Well, that's not the story for today. Uh, there's a second thing we can do. We can start moaning and groaning around other people. That's similar to have a, having a pity party. In fact, maybe that's the way we have a pity party, is just moaning and groaning around other people. And uh, so it's, it's a short jump from pity to moaning and groaning. There's another thing we might do, and I think maybe Mary and Martha do this too. We can go to Fantasyland. Do you remember Disneyland? Have you been to Disney World? Yeah, and you go to Fantasyland, it's all this stuff. It's, wow, wouldn't that be nice if it were like that? And that's exactly what Mary and Martha say to Jesus when he comes. If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And So let's go to fantasy land. Let's just go to the way we think it ought to be. Envision this, this perfect place, this idyllic place where everything is just the way we want it to be. Because after all, we're so smart, we've got it all figured out just the way it ought to be. Well, maybe not. Maybe this is the pivotal point in the dialogue between Mary and Martha and Jesus Do they believe Jesus can help them in the midst of their present situation? Because, see, when Jesus finally does arrive, what does he find out? Who knows the story? What does he find out? Lazarus was dead. How long had he been dead? Four days. Now, think about it. It took a day for the messenger to get to where Jesus was. He stayed where he was two more days. What are we up to? It took a day for Jesus to join them where they were, were it four days, yes? Two plus two. Yeah, it still equals four. Four days. So just about the time that Mary and Martha send the message to Jesus, "Lord, the one you love is sick," what happens? Lazarus dies almost immediately after they send the messenger. Jesus knows that somehow. I, we don't know how he knows that, but he tells the disciples. You know, this is, this is okay. Lazarus has fallen asleep. They said, well, if he's sleeping, that's a good thing. Jesus says, well, what I mean is he's dead. <laughs> well, maybe that's not such a good thing. Except that this is a way that Jesus is going to bring glory to himself, isn't it? You see, we think we have everything all figured out. We think we know what Jesus ought to do in our situation, in our circumstances, But Jesus loved Mary and Martha too much to do what they expected him to do. In fact, isn't it great that in verse 5, John is very careful in this passage to say, now Jesus really loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And he says that before he says Jesus stayed where he was. In fact, he even says Now, Jesus really loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, so Jesus stayed where He was. It's like the natural consequence of Him really loving them is to stay where He is instead of going and doing what they want Him to do. The natural thing for Him to do is to do the best thing for Mary and Martha and Lazarus, not the thing they wanted, because He really loved them. You see, one of our strategies is we begin to doubt that Jesus really does love us. We begin to question how deep is his love for me? Does he really care about me? And the other side of that is if he really loves me, then can he do anything about my situation? Is there enough love? Is there enough power? on Jesus' part, to make a difference in my situation? When I hit that speed bump in life? You see, what Jesus calls Mary and Martha, and He calls us to do today, in the midst of life's dead ends, is to rest in the reality of His love. To just know that He is there with us. and to trust in His power. You see, Mary Martha thought that Jesus could do something when Lazarus was sick. If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But now that he's dead, that's it. There's nothing you can do. How many times do we approach Jesus that way? You know, I know you could do a lot of things, but in this situation, it's past what you can do. You can't help. And Jesus says, let me just show you something. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes out of the grave with his grave clothes still on. Because Jesus can do far more than we ever believe that he can. And he loves us enough to do the best thing, not the thing that we necessarily think he ought to do. There was no question in anyone's mind when Jesus got there on the fourth day that Lazarus was dead. You see, there was, a, there was this myth among the Hebrews, the Jews, that the spirit stayed in the body for up to three days after death. And so anywhere within that three-day period, if Jesus had come and said, Lazarus, come forth, they would have just said, well, yeah, his spirit was still there and, you know, his spirit just kind of, it just happens that way sometimes. You didn't really do anything. It's just the way it works. But Jesus waited just enough time for them to believe that he was deader than a doornail. I mean, there was no more hope. All hope was gone. And Jesus comes to us in those times in life when all hope is gone. And he says, just trust me a little bit more. Just trust rest in my love a little bit more, because I really do care about you. Isn't that the good news for us? That in the midst of the desperation of our sin, Jesus died for us. When we could do nothing about it, Paul says in Romans, when we were powerless, there was nothing we could do about it. Jesus died for the ungodly. That's the heart of the gospel, But it affects us in every other area of life when we meet those dead ends. Will we trust Jesus in the midst of those times? Will we rest in his love? Now, I'm not going to tell you that if you take this course, if you follow the Jesus way of trust and rest, that everything is going to come back to life the way it did for Lazarus. There are some things that just persist, right? Uh, Lazarus did eventually die, right? I mean, he was brought back to life, but it was temporary. It wasn't permanent as far as I know. Anybody here Lazarus? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lazarus eventually dies. And in fact, all of our dead ends at some point I mean, some of our dead ends at some point just continue. They just persist. but God still loves us, loves us right in the midst of them. And we can trust Him to allow us to grow in the midst of that hard time. You see, in that hard time that I had that I described briefly a little bit ago, uh, in the months that followed, it was months before I had a job. And I, I actually had an interview for a position that I knew nothing about, but I was desperate. And God provided something else But in those months, I think I probably grew spiritually. I grew my relationship with God more than maybe any other time because I was completely at the end of myself. And He used that time to help me to trust, to understand His love deeper. So if you find yourself in that place this morning, it's not good, but it's okay. Because Jesus really does love you. He's there with you, and He's making you into the kind of person He wants you to be, even in the midst of the darkness and the despair and the discouragement of life's dead ends. Where are you this morning? Are you caught in the trap of hopelessness regards to some circumstance in your life? Are your coping strategies full of self pity and grumbling? And nobody wants to be around you because you're grumbling all the time? Uh, is, your, uh, is your search for fantasy land just getting you nowhere? Because it's not a real place, right? Fantasy land is fantasy, after all. Here are the words of Paul to the Ephesians. It's really a prayer that emerges on his lips as he, as he thinks about and as he talks to the Ephesians about all the things that God wants to do in their lives. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or even imagine to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. That's not just the church named generations, but to all generations of people forever and ever. Amen.